And welcome back to the Leadership Locker. It is Rich, and we are switching it up. Uh, the podcast has been doing really well, so I'm like, you know what? Um, I don't want to wait to just uh, have my guests on, and I need to obviously be very considerate of their schedules. So unless I just have a ton of guests lined up at a time, which I usually don't. I mean, I have a good pipeline, but they're not just like waiting around the corner then why would I not be sharing some of the things that Eliza and I discuss? Now, who is Eliza? Eliza is my very close friend, and she is the chief operating officer of Rich Cardona Media. We've known each other for almost a decade, and I posted about it recently, but we met when a mutual close friend of ours passed away while serving in Afghanistan. And when we had his after party, so to speak, of at the funeral, I met her and a bunch of other amazing people. And she and I have been friends ever since. So that's another episode in itself, probably. However, we have just insane conversations about all the different ongoings of entrepreneurship and within the business. We have pivoted multiple times. We've ideated, we've tried, we've failed, we've succeeded multiple times. Uh, And things are just in a spot where I believe the two of us collectively can bring you a ton of value, like no shit real value just by hearing some of what we've gone through. So when you get to those moments or you deal with these moments, uh, you will be able to maybe process it a little bit more and get a perspective from two people who are who are going through it. That being said, we're going to do this on Tuesday. So the goal is to have this this episode come out on Tuesdays and the episode with guests come out on Thursdays. But she and I sat here in my makeshift studio that I'm creating here in the office and we recorded a couple episodes and this is going to be the first episode with both of us together and we're going to see how it goes. I really, really would implore you to to kind of listen. This is obviously incredibly informal and uh, you're going to hear a lot of what's transpired. Uh, Some of it might be anecdotal because we have to remove some names, but I truly think if you're into entrepreneurship, if you're in services business, if you're even thinking about it, that you will likely benefit from listening in. So that being said, I'm going to wrap up and just remember that this episode is sponsored by Rich Cardona Media. We film, edit, and distribute content, video content for LinkedIn because one, video gets the most visibility and two, LinkedIn's organic reach is ridiculous. We could either do that monthly or we can do a package in which we do three months in a single day of shooting. Get us out to where you are or come to Wilmington. We will do three months worth of content in one day. We can do six months worth of content in two days if we have to. But we are here for you to make sure that you get the content, that it's edited, and that you don't even have to think about it. Because when you don't have content ready to go, you will not post. And when you don't post, no one is going to see you. And when you have something really important to say, no one's going to give a shit because you're not on LinkedIn enough and you're not showing up in their newsfeed as it is. Don't let that be you. You already know, it's 2020, that there's no way around it. You have to be creating content in order to be visible, and that's why we do what we do. So, enjoy the episode. Would love your feedback. Take care. So, we're doing our first episode together, which uh, I want to do on Tuesdays now. Uh, I got this idea from Chris Walker. I'm going to give him credit because I got to sit in on one of his and it was really fucking good. I I loved it. So I'm like, we have that. Mm -hmm. We need to do that. There's way too much in your brain that's sitting out, not on on LinkedIn right now, that needs to get on LinkedIn and on podcasts. But we were just talking about um, volume of content. And we've talked about quantity gets you to quality. Mm -hmm. But there is this other 
kind of myth when it comes to the volume of content and being everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and that myth is that you're crushing it. And and what were your thoughts you were just talk, kind of talking about when it comes to that? Well, I think people naturally draw that straight line to success when someone's everywhere. And I think the problem with that is the fact that there is no direct correlation. You can create a crap ton of content, but if it's just you producing it and no one else is talking about it, then is that really the definition of success just by exposure? And then taking that even a step further, it depends also on the goal of the client that you're trying to attract. If you're just everywhere and hoping that the onesies and twosies or the people who you know aren't maybe necessarily qualified or your ideal client are the ones who are responding, like is that your definition of success in terms of your intake? Mm-hmm. I mean, that can go like any number of ways, but I think the most important thing for me is whenever we are interacting with clients and whenever, uh, or, you know, we're getting referrals or people that have, you know, come into our ecosystem that are inquiring about our services. That's a lot of the comments that we get, right? A lot of people are like, oh man, you're crushing it. We see you everywhere. And we are slightly. Well, <laughs> we are, we like to say that, but at the same time, there's always ways to improve, Of course, you know? And I think the other thing is, you know, if you're producing a massive amount of content too, like there's no proof that you're going to serve people well. I don't think I could stay off that like ever. It, yeah. It's, it's, so the other part, and we've been talking about volume a lot. Yeah. So the quantity of content is one thing. And then the volume of metrics, we mm-hmm. have completely shifted gear in how we talk to people about yeah. what we can do and what that means. And I would say one of the eye-opening things for us was with a former client where they were on pace for a million views this year. Mm-hmm. And, and we got the kind of talk, mid-COVID talk about this and that, and we don't need to get into details. But ultimately, I think the scapegoat was, I haven't seen the ROI. Yeah. When you and I both know like it was verbalized, I have testimonials that said there's ROI for it or whatever. But, but wait a minute, yeah. we also don't promise ROI. Exactly. That is a very clear uh, part of our discussion and our onboarding. Absolutely. Yeah. So we don't, we don't talk about, uh, we never promise ROI and, yeah. and, and, I mean, God, that's a, that's like an, it's an entire yeah. episode in itself. <laughs> but that quantity and the volume meant nothing. Yeah. What have we seen? And can you articulate like what we've seen with with volume, yeah. but but where the volume and the visibility actually doesn't enhance anything? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of factors. One is uh, multiple factors, and you got to compare ourselves and what we do to other players in the market right? Like, you know, content creators and things like that. You can get really sucked into what the numbers would say or the metrics would say. And for us, you know, we create monthly reports and we're constantly iterating on them because there's no, that we found there's no system or platform or anything like that that compiles a report that gives proper context to what the content pieces mean. Because ultimately, if one piece of content converts to one conversation, there's no report that's going to calculate that. And so, number one, that's the reason why we can't guarantee ROI, because that is an internalized system for your business. But that's like an internalized process that we can't own. Like, what is your conversion? What's your dialogue like? What are you like when you're interacting with clients in your space and when people are, you know, inquiring about your services? Those are things that we can't own. We can get you to that conversation through visibility. So when we look at reports that say, okay, you've got 83,116 views over four months worth of content, what does that actually mean? You have... 6.25% 6.25% engagement, where the platform benchmark is 2 to 2.5%. Yep. That's fantastic. Yep. 
Does that mean we're doing our job? I think that means we're doing our job, but we go a step further. And the reason why we go a step further is because we take that and with the consulting that we combine with our clients, we create the goals for what does that convert to? Um, And that's a collaborative conversation because we can't own that internal process. So when we say things like, hey, this is how many views you've gotten. This is what the engagement rate has looked like. Here's where you can improve based on the data that we see. Let's talk about what the goals are for how many conversations do you want to be having each week? How many conversations have you taken from the comments into the DMs and then into like a formalized intake process? That's the accountability part. Absolutely. So I want to take that a step further. And this isn't about us. This is about things we've noticed. I think it's like really important to share so that way people who do decide to brand themselves appropriately and put a lot of content out realize that the numbers can actually mean absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And one call we had on our Tuesday, Touch Base Tuesday with one of our clients, we kind of gave homework and we're just like, two calls per week. Like, just start there. Just start there, two calls per week. Like, you're getting a ton of views, you're getting a ton of comments, all this stuff. Reach out to people proactively and just be, you know, just reach out and have a call. Mm -hmm. Some of these people were inbound, uh, essentially kind of leads for this client who's still figuring out their offering, and some of the others were her reaching out. And what they discovered was, their exact words were, networking doesn't suck. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> and I, yeah. it, I used to, when I first got Acuity before Calendly, or I don't even remember, I, I hate them both because I love my time so much more now <laughs> that whatever, but I was on calls and calls and calls and calls and calls. And like, that's literally what the escalation was from just like kind of getting a little bit of visibility to actually taking a step further. Yeah. So the point of what I'm trying to say is that the person or the client not only enjoyed those conversations, but it actually turned into a couple things. What do you think a couple of those things were that we took away? I think a couple of those things, it just turned into a mindset shift of understanding it's not just me and my seat and my role. It's, it's me and how I can provide value and building bridges to things that, you know, I might not directly benefit from, but just the relationship itself is a complete benefit for like, I helped connect these people. Like this person clearly needs help. Uh, You know, clearly I know people that can serve him well. Um, So I think that, doesn't that feel good for all of us? Like, shouldn't we want that? Isn't that part of- The people we want to work with. Well, isn't that part of professional networking? That's why we would be on the platform in the first place. Yes. So I think that's, that's one thing. And I think the other thing is helping see kind of those little light bulbs go on in our clients' minds of like, oh, this is what you mean when you say building connections yeah. and building relationships. Um, not that we don't know it, but when you actually experience it, it's a different thing. Well, I mean, I'll never forget. This is, um, you know, my analogies are awful. But <laughs> when I was young, I remember I, my dad drove me to a soccer game. And this one, I think I was on a traveling team and I was so pumped up. Second game, this is like far. So like, we, I don't even remember the name of this town. I was like, this is New Jersey. So <laughs> we go and play. And I never got the ball. I didn't do anything. Like, I was basically standing still almost at midfield, like, the whole game just kind of, like, watching. And I'm like, that sucked. And as soon as I got off, my dad's like, you didn't go after the ball once. Like, I didn't make it happen. 
So just because you're getting views and all this stuff, like we're talking about quantity, we're talking about volume, that doesn't mean like that's where it ends. Like it's not just going to come in. Like you definitely have to be like, you know, the kind of spark uh, that kind of sets it ablaze a little bit. And that one particular client that we were talking to, they said, so they had, uh, I think, four or five conversations. They referred someone who was, uh, very qualified for a specific company. And then she ended up, or the client ended up talking to the CEO, like by chance, it was ridiculous. Then they um, talked to someone who was really interested in how their content was getting made. So that ended up being a referral for us, which we're exploring. Yeah. Then they had a conversation with someone who noticed them and they're actually in consulting and they're helping them get some strategic mindset stuff going on. But it was just like different buckets. Yeah. Now, the thing is this, you examine those buckets or you examine the patterns that are taking place in those conversations and a couple things happen. It might completely affirm what you thought you were there to do, or it might completely say you could probably benefit from a pivot because this is where you're able to serve and this is how people want you to show up. Is that like a problem, do you think, for people? Like- yes, yes. I think any service provider in the digital space, you can get really stuck on the report. You can get really stuck on, I want to provide something that's like super detailed, that we've like got all these graphs and they're beautiful. I mean, we've seen it. Like we worked with a previous client who like, they were getting absolutely like hammered by this, you know, service provider that was like stealing their money mm-hmm. and providing them these beautiful reports with no actionable guidance. Yes. There was no follow up on like, hey, here's what we've noticed. Here's how you can improve. Here are things that we would recommend. None of those conversations were evident. So for us, I think that's the most important thing is like, it's not just the numbers. It's not just the report. It's not just, you know, like, did we have our biweekly call? It's what did we do to move the ball down the field? And what are you doing to make that, you know, actionable or meaningful for your company and what your goals are internally? So, uh, you know, there's so many different ways that we can, you know, provide like the data, but the data without interpretation means nothing. And then marrying that with the goals and making sure that we're tracking towards those things is, is the ultimate thing for us. Talk to me a little bit more about evaluating the patterns of some of the calls that you will probably end up having if you're diligent with following up with your messages and comments and all these other stuff, kind of like the situation from the other day where um, the person's audience was different, yeah. uh, ended up being different. Uh, they said, I'm fielding more of these people. Mm-hmm. And then second, like it's it's much more this kind of category of consulting where I thought it was going to be this. Yeah. Um, how should a person view that as uh, because we could all fall in love with like what we think we're supposed to do but when you have a little opening how should you react uh well I think one is open doors are good doors and I think the more opportunities that you have to make a informed decision over what direction you want to take or which door you want to keep walking through that's a good problem to have, right? So when we have these conversations where people are like, I've noticed I've had a lot of, you know, this type of conversation, but it feels better to me as opposed to what I thought I should be walking towards. Correct. So like, for example, I'm just using arbitrary example. You know, I would have thought that I would have gone into publishing consulting. I'll use my own example. I would have thought I would have gotten into publishing consulting as opposed to like business development consulting. 
I love both, but one, I just happen to like naturally gravitate towards. And sometimes it's not by nature of my expertise or skill set. Sometimes it's the network is stronger in that area for me at that given time. Yes. So there's a whole confluence of factors that contribute to the open doors at any given time. But it also depends on where am I at and where am I finding the most fluidity to be able to serve the best? Yes. So I don't have to necessarily fight towards X and Y and Z, even though that is something that I love and enjoy. But if I'm seeing a lot of opportunity in one area, it would be stupid of me to not pursue it if it's something that still serves my end goal. Tom Bill, you says there's a thousand open doors. Your job is to close 999. That's right. Uh, I really, and and I don't mean outside of your skill set. Like if it makes sense, obviously. Um, But I think that that is something that if, if you do really, really put your best foot forward in terms of active networking, being visible, Mm -hmm. presenting your value in a way that is beneficial and not come work with us, uh, then you're going to discover that there's probably different branches to, to whatever it may be. And there's certainly worth exploring. And we've been talking about it a lot in terms of our offerings. Like we are looking to get exposure in certain other areas of social media, not just LinkedIn. Um, And it might make sense and it might not, but at least we close that door if we get there and we're just like, you know what? That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, there's two sides to that previous discussion or the previous, you know, kind of example that we just talked about. One is a ton of open doors are good opportunities. And, you know, you have to be willing to navigate a lot of them to be able to make an informed decision. The other side of that coin is our most powerful asset as professionals is our no. Because you can say no to a million different things and then end up finding yourself between a rock and a hard place of like, oh my gosh, like I've got too many options and then you have analysis paralysis. So I think sometimes you just have to know yourself well enough to know when you're getting to that point and also be aware enough to know, you know what, this is a good opportunity. And in most circumstances, it would make sense on paper to say yes. But I think we've all been there where we said all that glitters isn't gold. Right. So being willing to say like, this is a good opportunity, but me saying no to this makes room for a greater opportunity down the road. And I think that's kind of the self-awareness part that like only comes with maturity and your professional, you know, like experience and things like that. So there's, there's a lot of different things to think of. And there's, you know, there's no linear, you know, pathway through like being a professional, right? There's always like hills and valleys and things like that. So, uh, yeah. And last episode, (laughs) Amy Boschka was talking about, I mean, I ended up, she's a social media ghostwriter, but we ended up having, and this has been happening a lot recently, whatever the expertise was that they were coming, like it's, it's, it's a fraction of the podcast and we actually talk about like other stuff. And she was talking about the power of saying no, yeah. the power of niching down yeah. and how the times where the valleys of entrepreneurship specifically are scary because you will find yourself being open to say yes to stupid shit. Yeah. And it usually ends up being a bad experience. Like mm-hmm. you may not know it. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. You may not know it, but yeah. you are probably presenting mm-hmm. extremely vulnerable mm-hmm. and borderline desperate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're willing to do this nonsense shit yeah. when I know it's not in, I hate the, the phrase, the realm of genius, but you're just your expertise, yeah. your good skill set, like where you can, where you absolutely know you're going to be able to deliver a superior product. But mm-hmm. um, I think that is certainly a risk that a lot of people take. And it's so 
unbelievably difficult to just to say no in those moments. But um, I want to wrap up this episode really quick, though. On volume, uh, you know, we talked about volume and the quantity. Uh, Talk to me about what you've noticed since we've been working together in terms of what metrics are actually starting to stand out. And, And by the way, for listeners, like we are a boutique business, high touch. Um, I listen to a lot of B2B podcasts. I follow a lot of B2B marketers who are fantastic and I gather advice from them, but this is not that. We're not talking about MQLs. Uh, We are not talking about sales cycles here. Like we are uh, almost two year startup. Um, Actually, like that, that's actually a lot shorter after we had that discussion. I was like, it's not actually two years. It's it's much less Mm -hmm. if you think about what it's like 18, 19 months now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But um, what metrics are standing out to you for people who are going to decide to pump out some content? So again, I say this with a very heavy asterisk Mm -hmm. because there's so many variables that go into each one. But um, one of the things that we've talked about recently, especially as we're, you know, compiling and, you know, creating kind of like the perfect report for us and the way we do work. I really just I really think that engagement rate is the most important thing for us because if you can maintain in spite of your growth and in spite of the amount of content pieces that you've put out your engagement rate is going to average out across all those things. Yes. So if you can maintain a really consistently high engagement rate over the volume of your content and over, you know, the quantity of your connections that you keep adding, that's a really good indicator. I think the most important indicator that kind of level sets everything. So I think that should be kind of the really highly prioritized, you know. And sorry, just to interrupt, but like one of our clients who added almost 4,000 connections because of of how we're talking about quantity in about 120 days, 4,000 additional connections, their engagement rate is not only up, but like. It's almost 6%. It's it's going ridiculous. Like that's that's really difficult to do. Now, if you're talking going from thirty thousand connections to fifty thousand, like there's going to be a massive drop. Like Gary V's yeah. is one point seven percent or something ridiculous yeah. on Instagram, you know. But you know his words getting around. But yeah. still, um, I think that is. I agree with you a thousand percent. Like that is an amazing sign. Mm-hmm. If you're adding connections and adding engagement rate, that's like that just means. Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> Where have you been? Because yeah. this is what we wanted. Yeah. And I think that the, the caveat to that is just because you maintain a high engagement rate doesn't mean that one piece of content, that's an average of yes. all your stuff. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that stuff isn't going to flop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the other thing too is like, oh yeah, you've got like a, you know, 5.73%, you know, engagement rate. And then, you know, you've got a post that like maybe 700 people have seen and it had like 15 likes mm-hmm. when that's really an exception. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen everyone. You just had it the other day. Oh, man. And you didn't delete it, which Ooh, that I was I deleted good. one last night. Yeah. I deleted one last night because I want to give it another shot. Yeah, because it's I good content. Done, I had, I, because Allison Fisher mentioned that to me and I was like, I have done that. And yeah. I'm like, and I know Wednesdays are my dog shit days. So <laughs> I, I was like, you know what? I'm out. I said, I, and I decided to go live and it was really fun. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So engagement rate, we hit that. Engagement rate. What else? Anything else? I I think that's the most important thing because I think that kind of encompasses everything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is really defining your content lanes. That's not necessarily a metric, but I think that something defines your metric and where you're finding your audience and what people are responding to. So I think if you're everywhere, like Amy said it during your podcast last week, if, if you're everywhere then you're nowhere. Yes. So if you if you can't really, you know, define what it is that you are an expert in and even saying like, hey, here are the things that I'm not an expert in, even though you would assume that because I'm in the field of marketing. Mm-hmm. I think those are really important things to be able to define that would drive that content strategy that would drive the high engagement. There was a, I, I posted a video about a preview of that podcast today yeah. and someone wrote, 
it was a great comment. They they wrote one of my clients was really upset about the lack of sales. Uh, she was getting. I think she's a new client to this person, and mm-hmm. they're like, she said something along the lines of, "Well." how do you position yourself? She's like, I'm a general life coach. I'm like, holy shit. And she says, that is client repellent. Yeah. And I love the way she put that. So, but think about the the concept of being a generalist. Yeah. How many generalists get themselves in trouble because yeah. they're not specific enough? Yes. That's exactly the problem. And then you put a generalist who is a service provider with a client who doesn't know what they want or need. Oof. I mean, that is like a recipe for disaster 100%. and someone's going to be losing out on a crap ton of money. Yeah. And you're going to have no traction moving forward. That's like walking on a, skating rink it's, it's interesting because i i consider myself a generalist like although i understand linkedin and video and, yeah. and all these things like i consider myself a generalist in that i know i could answer a lot of questions and i think you can too we do have our sweet spots of course but if you don't know what your sweet spots are mm-hmm. and you are general about it then yeah. nothing's ever gonna it's, it's just never gonna happen All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you rate or review this, that is what helps it get to other people. And if it helped you and you want to help other people, then that's definitely what you could do. That would really, really help us out. Hopefully you now have a better understanding of why we are winning in a major way. And that is because of Eliza's brilliance. If you didn't catch it, she is able to articulate verbally what I can't. Uh, And she just has a magnificent mind. I am a better writer than I am talker, but I prefer to be myself. So we balance each other out in a very good way. And we're also really, really freaking driven people. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And that way we could put more of them out. If you could rate it, review it. If you subscribe, pass it on. It would mean so much to the both of us. Take care.